I'm going to read uh, Luke 6, 27 through 36. <clears throat> but I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to him the other. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to be repaid, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them, without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. I am so glad that Bob could read that text for us today. <clears throat> as he shared, Bob and Marietta did have a, a break in this week, had some things taken, and, and I hated to hear that because I know of very few people who are more generous than Bob and Marietta Webb. Uh, very few people who are more giving, more loving. And if someone has a need, they they would be willing to share, and, and I love that about them. And so to have something stolen not only violates your trust, but it violates who they are. And I mean, they would be the first ones to say, what do you need? You know, we, we've, got to, we've got plenty. We, we can help you out. What do you need? How can we help? And then I looked at my text for the day, and to be honest, I already knew that these were difficult words, but I read verse 30, give to anyone, give to everyone who begs from you, and from the one that takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And I read that and I thought of Bob and Marietta and what they had just been through. And so I called Bob and I said, I have a request and you feel free to say no. Would you read my sermon text for me? And I thought about just leaving it at that and not telling him what the text said, but I said, now it, it's got this one verse that says, you know, from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. I said, feel free to say no. And the first thing he said, immediately he said, I can do that. I can, I can read that for you without hesitation. Because the words of Jesus are more powerful than what's been done to you. The words of Jesus are more powerful. It, it may have helped that I also said, you know, if you do this, the sermon might be shorter. Uh, that, that may have been a little help, but if I said that, I was lying. Um, so Jesus is speaking to a crowd, and it's a very diverse crowd. There are disciples there. There are those who have been called to follow him, those who have come close. And then there are the, there are the curious. So there are the committed and there are the curious. There are people that have just heard about this Jesus guy, and, and they're, they're curious to see what he says, what he might do. There are those who are there that are there just for a show because he heals people. He, he casts out demons and they might see something cool happen. So they're there to see what happens. And as we began this look at Luke 6 and Jesus' sermon on the level place, sermon not on the mount, but on a level place where everybody is standing on equal footing. As we began last week, Luke was 
very clear to point out in verse 20, and he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said. And in verse 20, he spoke directly to his disciples. This was something he wanted those who were committed to him to hear, those who he had called to him. He wanted them to hear these words of of blessing. Those of you who are committed, this is what blessings look like. And he goes on in verse 20, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. But did you notice how he starts in verse 27 as he begins this week's section? It's not Jesus just looking at the disciples, but instead he says in verse 27, but I say to you who hear. In other words, everyone who's listening. This isn't just for the disciples. This is for everyone. This is the standard for everyone. This is how we define love in light of who Jesus is. So what does Jesus tell tell us that love looks like? What are we confronted with in these verses? He says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. This is a different kind of love but that's jesus's point all the way through this chapter that's his call it is different following jesus is going to look different than following the crowd following jesus is going to look different from following anyone else following jesus is going to look different than following your own desires and so here at the very beginning can we just go ahead and admit something together it's something we just need to we need to get it out there we need to admit it we don't want to do this you don't want to do this. I'm not, I'm not picking on you. you know, when I say you don't want to do this, I'm, uh, I'm not picking on you in particular, but let's be honest, none of this is easy. And so let's just admit it up front. People are going to steal from you. People are going to hit you. People are going to hurt you. And you don't hurt them back. We don't want to do that. It's wrong for people to treat you like this. And then Jesus calls us and He says, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. That's hard. Obeying this call to love, obeying this call to a different love will hurt. It It will cut you. I remember what mom used to tell us. You know what mom used to tell us? Mom used to tell me, if you don't mess with them, they won't mess with you. Right? That's what mom always said. You leave them alone. And they'll leave you alone. Yeah, it never worked, by the way. (laughs) There were plenty of people who who wouldn't leave me alone. It, It never worked, Mom. But I want you to hear Jesus clearly because Jesus is not calling us to take Mom's advice. Love doesn't look like leaving people alone. Verse 27, He says, do good. Do good to those who hate you. Jesus defines love not by not bothering people. Jesus defines love by actively doing good to those who do not love you. This is active. This is involving yourself. This is you bringing healing instead of hurting. and Bringing healing to the hurtful. And as long as we're being honest, for some of you here, When you hear love your enemy, your worst enemy was once your trusted friend. 
Your worst enemy was once someone that you cared very deeply for, someone you loved, someone that you spent time with. Your worst enemy was once someone who was the first person you would call when something wonderful happened and you wanted to share that good news. When, when you were feeling lousy, they were the first person you called. Your, your worst enemy was someone that you had a commitment to and, and they had a commitment to you. And to say those words, do good to those who hate you, I say those words, do good to those who hate you, and a name, a face immediately comes to mind. And your first thought is, I can't bring myself to look at that person. I can't bring myself to say their name. I deleted them out of my phone. I deleted them off Facebook. I cut up pictures that we were in, scratched their name out of the yearbook and their picture out of the yearbook. I deleted them out of my heart. I deleted them out of my life. And Jesus says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. It's the same Jesus that said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Yeah, but that was Jesus, right? <laughs> that was Jesus. You don't know what this person did to me. You don't know what they did, and, and you're absolutely right. Don't, don't feel bad because this is hard, okay? Don't feel bad because this is hard you have been wronged you have been hurt feel that hurt own that hurt that is yours but there's something else here also and there's something else here that is that is also yours you see this this isn't really about how you love your enemies this is about how god has loved you jesus goes on in verses 29 and 30 and he gives us four examples, four little illustrations, just in case we haven't figured out how to do this. Here, here's four pictures of what it looks like. <clears throat> to the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. Now, you've heard some of these before. You've heard, turn the other cheek, right? We've heard that many times. Some of us have ran out of cheeks. <clears throat> it's interesting to realize that in, in every one of these scenarios, the listener, the person listening to Jesus' sermon, in every one of these scenarios, the listener is not the aggressor. You know what I mean? The person listening to Jesus is not the one inflicting the pain, is not the one causing the problem. The possibility that a Christian would inflict pain on someone else is not even considered here. Not even considered by Jesus. And yet I would tell you that every single person who has ever hurt me, every single person who has ever cut me, cut me down, has called themselves a Christian. My atheist friends love me. <laughs> they're, they're great. They're cool. But it's the Christians that I find myself having to watch out. What do I do with that? What do I do with verse 31? And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. That's, that's the golden rule, right? That's the golden rule. Is that about how my enemy treats me? Or is that about how my God has treated me? Don't you hate it when 
Don't you hate it when someone you're supposed to be teaching teaches you something? You know? Don't you hate it when you're supposed to be the mentor and you end up being the mentee for a few moments? Doesn't that just drive you nuts? A few weeks ago, Hannah and I were, we were at a, a ministry event. Okay? We were at a, Hannah and I were at a ministry event and the room was crowded. And I looked across the room and I see someone on the other side of the room. And I elbowed her and I said, you see that person? said, yeah. I said, they don't like me. <laughs> now I know, <laughs> what's not to like, right? I mean, come on, it's me. What's not to like? I said, they, they don't like me. And I said, they've said some hurtful things about me in the past. They've, they've kind of attacked me verbally. And you know what she said? She said, Hannah said, go shake their hand. And I said, I would rather hug and kiss some snakes right now. I am not going to go shake their hand. She said, go shake their hand. And I said, why? And she said, because it's always better to be the person that shakes the other person's hand than the one that doesn't. It's always better to be the one that says hi than the one who won't. It's always better to be the one that crosses the room than the one who won't cross the room. And I grumbled a little bit. Grumbling never is a good idea, remember? I grumbled and I fought it and I faunched a little bit and finally I went over and I stuck my hand out and I said, hi. How you doing? How's things going? Now, did that, did that change my hurt? No. I mean, did that make everything better? Are we best friends now? No. You know, once springtime hits, are we going to go out and pick wildflowers? No, we're not going to go do any of those things. Nor do I expect us to. But in that moment, in that moment, I decided that Jesus' call was more important than my feelings. And in that moment, I realized that as far as God is concerned, I was the enemy. As far as God is concerned, I've not always been the most lovable guy. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Now, I needed that. That's what I needed. I was weak. I was powerless to save myself. I needed Jesus. And from my point of view, that's the most beautiful thing that's ever happened to me. But what did it look like from God's point of view? Christ died for the ungodly. That's me. And then on down in verse, verse 10, Romans 5, verse 10, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. While we were enemies with God, enemies with Jesus, yet He died for us. There's an old song. I haven't heard it for a long time. It says, the title was of the song is, it wasn't the nails that held Him to the cross. You know that one? It wasn't the nails that held him to the cross. He could have come down, but the whole world would be lost. The ransom was so high, only he could pay the cost. It wasn't the nails that held him to the cross. Now, I don't think any of us should expect to do this perfectly. And we're not going to get it right for every person. We're not going to get it right every time. But the love that Jesus has for you demands a different kind of love from us. It demands a different way. Let your love be the better way. By the way, I, I don't think Jesus is actually telling us that when we get robbed, when someone steals our stuff, we shouldn't want it back. I don't think he's really telling us that. I think rather it's a reminder that it wasn't your stuff to start with, was it? It really wasn't your stuff to start with, it belonged to Jesus because you belong to Jesus. Because I know you belong to Jesus. And the question is, is your life going to reflect that reality? Are you willing to let your life reflect the reality that you belong 
to Jesus? Is that going to be seen in the way that you love and the way you love differently? You love a better way. Verse 32, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies. Do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Love is the better way. Love is the better way for you because hatred and revenge are horrible things to live with. Love is the better way for you. Love is also better for your enemy. Love is better for the one who hurt you, who stole from you, the one who hates you. Because your love tells them that that, that there is a love that they simply do not comprehend yet. A love even for them. A, A love is the better way. It is a better witness to our world because our world is watching. And our world is is wondering, are Christians really any different? Is the way that they treat people really any different? Some of you read Kyle Eidelman's book, Grace is Greater. And it's there in, in Grace is Greater that Kyle tells the story of Frank and Elizabeth. And Frank and Elizabeth got that phone call one night. That phone call nobody wants. Their son Ted had been driving home and a car crossed the medium and hit him head on and killed him. I'm sorry. Tommy was driving the car. Tommy had been at a party. Tommy was drunk. Tommy's blood alcohol level was three times the legal limit. Court went long. The case was drawn out two years. And Tommy ended up with a slap on the wrist. Tommy ended up with probation. That was it. And Elizabeth would tell you that she was haunted with hate and with imagining what she would do to him, of revenge fantasies, imagining what she would do if she ever found Tommy. Now the problem was Elizabeth was a Christian. (laughs) And she realized that it was her sin that had sent God's son to his death. And as the story is told in in Grace is Greater, within a little bit of time there, Tommy broke his, he, he violated his parole. And Tommy had gotten drunk and Tommy was sent to prison for three months. Three months. And while, she, while Tommy was in prison, Elizabeth went to visit him. Not just once, but Elizabeth went to visit Tommy over and over again. And when he got out of prison, she and Frank, Elizabeth and Frank, invited Tommy over for dinner. And that got to be a weekly event. Every week, Tommy would come over and have dinner with, with uh, Frank and Elizabeth. Every week they would talk. Every week they would tell him about Jesus. And one night after dinner, Tommy and Frank and Elizabeth drove to the church and Frank baptized Tommy. And today, Tommy sits with Frank and Elizabeth at church. Tommy calls him mom and dad. They call him their son. 
Elizabeth put all of her pain in God's hand, and, and she shared his grace, and she shared his love. Now, that's a wonderful story, and that's a true story. But let's be honest. I'm not going to ask you to do that. <laughs> let's, be, let's be honest. That is a beautiful story. That is a, an extraordinary story. But is that realistic for me? Is that realistic for you? That This is hard. This is hard, but I don't want any of you to think this is impossible. Is there one? Is, is there just one person? Just, just one person in just one way, just one thing that you can do to show the love of Jesus. I was in Indianapolis this last week for a preacher's conference. Those are fun. It's learning how to preach. One of these days I'll get it down. I'm in Indianapolis for a two-day conference there. Had a great time. Got to see a lot of friends. Got to make a lot of new friends. Had a really good time. And there we are at the church where we're having this meeting. And I look across the room and I spot a guy on the other side of the room who doesn't like me very much. Different guy. There's two of them. <laughs> and that's all. This guy... Uh, just about a month ago, he made things kind of difficult for me. He didn't, like, he didn't like some of the books I've been reading. He didn't like some of the things that I had said. And he called me, he called me, and I shouldn't say this, but he called me doctrinally unreliable. And I'll tell you what, he doesn't know the half of it, okay? He thinks he's got me pegged. Good luck. He said some harsh things about me and some unkind things to other preachers about me. And there he was on the other side of the room. And the very best thing about it all, Hannah was not there. <laughs> and she would never know. He was, he was like within glaring distance. I could stand there and glare at him if I wanted to. Hannah didn't know. She wasn't there. She wouldn't know if I didn't. You know what I did, though? I walked across the room. I shook his hand, said hi. Asked him how his family is because as much trouble as he's given me, I worry about his family. I think he's dealing with a lot of heavy stuff. That he just needs an outlet. He needs someone who will care. And I walked over, shook his hand. I, I talked to him. The next day, next day I ran into him again and I spent some time with him and I told him what I appreciate about his ministry because there are things I appreciate about his ministry. And he thanked me. And as I was leaving Tuesday, it was raining, as I'm making my way to my car, I hear a voice behind me in the parking lot say, Mr. Hammond! And I turn around and there he is, on the other side of the parking lot. He says, you have a safe trip home. I said, you too. Very last person that spoke to me there. Now, let me assure you, I didn't do that because I was afraid Hannah would find out. I mean, I kind of did, but... I did it because it was the right thing to do. I did it because Christ calls me to a different kind of love. Christ doesn't call me to a love that just sits there and stews. Christ does not call us to a love that says, if you don't bother them, they won't bother you. Christ calls us to a love that says, do good to those who hate you. You do them good. Good, not because of what it does for them, but good because I want to be known as a son of the Most High. I want to love like He loved me. So I'll be merciful to others because God has shown me tremendous mercy. 
Love is the better way. Let love be your better way. Maybe, maybe for just one person. <laughs> just, just one person this week. Let's see what happens when you choose to love like Jesus. Let's stand together and let me pray for you. Father, we, we live in such a strange time. I mean, we're told to keep our distance for health's sake. But Father, we would confess that there are many for whom we would keep our distance for our own sake. We keep our distance because they've hurt us. They keep our distance because of the pain, the hurt. We had even confessed that we keep our distance because hate has built a wall between us. But today we remind ourselves that while we were your enemies, you did not allow a wall to separate us. Rather, you reached out in love, in the most amazing love. And Lord, it is not too much for you to ask us to love, even to love our enemies. And I want to keep my prayer for my friends this week simple. And so I, I just simply want to ask this week, would you allow your Holy Spirit to place on our hearts just one person who needs to know Jesus' love through us. And then in, in your wisdom, show us how to love that person. Maybe just one little thing, one little thing that, that won't make everything better, but will show them that there is a God who loves them even in their mess, even in their hurt, and even in the pain that they feel and the pain that they inflict. And I want to thank you that you loved us with that kind of love, even while we were still enemies. Let us never forget that. Lord, as we, as we leave here, we've got an opportunity to go and share a little bite to eat together. Lord, I just thank, your bless, thank you for the blessing over the ladies' fellowship, the ladies' retreat this, uh, this week. Thank you that we're kind of blessed from the overflow as we move into the other room. But Lord, bless that time together, not just the food, but the conversation and the care and the way we can encourage one another. Thank you so much for that opportunity. Keep us safe in this very, very strange world we live in. We love you. Thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And go in peace.